Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 201. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good morning. And Treg the Hammer Wilson. Good morning. So guys, how was the week? It's fine. Can't complain. I had another busy work week, and now I'm finally off for a weekend for the first time in a while, so... It's nice to relax a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe that the Air Force makes you work that much. Uh, is what it is. It, it doesn't seem to fit with the expectation of the Air Force. I know I'm what you mean. Thinking, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> I got to work. I got to work so I can get Christmas off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, uh, all right. Let's just jump right into the show. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about a few things. <laughs> it has been a fun week in Habsland, uh, the Canadians being so inconsistent. Wins, losses, pessimism, lynch mobs. We're going to cover it all this week. But uh, I want to start off by reminding everyone that today, as we record, it's the 6th of November. It is Veterans Week in Canada. Uh, it's the week leading up to Remembrance Day. So I want to remind everyone to um, find a poppy, wear a poppy, uh, think about our veterans, the sacrifices that many have made. Uh, some made the ultimate sacrifice. Over 114,000 Canadian soldiers, uh, sailors, and air personnel have passed away in service of Canada during wartime, but remember the peacetime uh, soldier, sailors, and air personnel as well. Um, just And the sacrifices made by everyone who served, uh, not just in 
lives lost, but also injuries, time away, uh, the families of these people who have sacrificed so much dealing with their loved ones being gone and having to move, move on while they're away and do everything, it, the day-to-day stuff. It's just, just a little bit of a, a couple of minutes thought each day is all that really is needed is asked for. It's a small sacrifice on your part to thank those who have done what they've done to secure our freedoms. So just, just putting that there and uh, we'll move on to the hockey. Now Uh, there's news out of Montreal. Now that Carey price has returned, he's going to be joining the team in a couple of days, but that does not mean he's going to be on the ice playing. That just means he's back with the team in the dressing room. This might take a little bit of time. So, uh, Treg, what do, you, what do you think? Well, the news is that Price will be back Monday, and he's going to see the athletic therapist. It's his first stop to see where they're going to start for his training. Um, not sure where he's at with his knee. I'm pretty sure his knee's probably healed by now, but uh, they're going to have to go through to make sure it's on ice ready. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a rehash of what they were doing during the preseason when he first came out, Uh, him working alone, working with the goalie coach, working with the athletic therapist. Uh, He'll probably hit the gym for a few days. I give it two to three weeks before you probably see him in game action. And then it might be in Laval uh, just to see uh, how well he's going to go. Um, So yeah, I would say probably, first of December you might see him back in uh, Montreal playing a game in Montreal um, however saying that I would not get my expect expectations high that he's going to carry this team to a St. Louis like turnover and uh, um, yeah I think the team has bigger issues than Carey Price so I, I think it would be a huge mistake to put that kind of pressure on him yeah yeah huge exactly although he's that- probably the guy that could do it but Matt, what do you think? I think it's fantastic that he's going to be back around the team. Just having that presence back in the locker room and just having him around the guys, I think it's going to really boost the morale of this uh, of this team that's struggled throughout the season so far. And uh, it'll be good for him as well to be back around his family again. And uh, maybe just a little bit of positive news in the uh, in the uh, in the locker room, and really is the in the fold of what this. Uh, Canadians team has been this year I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a uh, a good step in the right direction yeah it, there hasn't been a lot of good news this season so it's good to see something <laughs> positive starting to uh, to come out um, now we uh, there's been a couple of games since our last episode so why don't we start with uh, our thoughts on the Detroit game just a, qu- a quick overview of what we saw in Detroit, uh, against Detroit. So Matt, I'm going to give you the first, uh, first kick. So f- unfortunately I was working nights when the Detroit game uh, was on, didn't get to see it, uh, watch the highlights from what I heard. It was one of their better structured games of the year. Again, it was against Detroit though. Uh, I saw Pizzetta's um, opening lap and everything. And from what I saw from the highlights, he looked good in his first game. Um, the only thing is that uh, was that the game they lost? Was that the game they lost, Drew? Was that the game afterwards? Yeah, he took the uh, the yeah. Kulak slap shot to the yeah. face there. 
So other than that, they played a pretty good game from what I heard. So um, that's all I can really say. That's all I can really say. Treg, did you, uh, what did you see in that game? I saw a pretty good NHL team beat up an AHL team. Um, I thought Montreal played good. I still think the defense needs work. I don't think defensively they were all that great. They did keep the shots out to the perimeter, cut down the high danger shots. Um, it was a it was a pretty solid uh, game over overall. They kept puck possession and they kept Detroit away. But again, Detroit was missing their top two players and Larkin and Bertu- Bertuzzi, and you can't really uh, fade that over. I'll even going to go into the Islanders game. I thought Montreal played a good first period in the Islanders game too. Like I thought they were still in, even though they were down by a goal going into the second period. Um, it's just this team. And uh, uh, the way I look at it is when they get down by a goal or two, it's almost like, especially two goals. It's almost like they, I'll say it again. I've said it many times The 2017, 18 Canadians. As soon as they get down by a couple of goals, it's almost like you can tell by the look on the bench, it's over. And uh, Well, I didn't see that in the Islanders game. What I saw between the two games was a team that played the same way in both. But the difference with the Islanders is that they had the personnel in place that could take advantage of the chances that they had. Like all of well, them. The, the, Canadians. the Islanders played the long distance game. They had a guy, they yep. played to beat the defense and they beat them almost every time. Um, and Montreal did not change their game plan to just no. stop that. Savard looked terrible in the Islanders game, like terrible. Like, but they... so did so did Kulak, his partner. And I I know that uh, that first goal where Savard had Nelson um, all tied up, and then he still he was still able to get the shot off and score. That's not all on him. He still no. had his man for the most part. I mean, he could have taken a penalty to haul him down. But yeah, why, why did the puck come got, back to him? Yeah, well, him and his defense partner got pretty uh, tied up on that play as well. So Yeah, and, and it wasn't like it was a strong goal either. No. I mean, Allen has played extremely well through the season, but that's that was an error on Savard's part that shouldn't have been as big of an error that it was, but it became more glaring because Kulak screwed up. And you've said it before, Treg, many times that every time Kulak makes a mistake, he usually ends up in the net. And that was the case here. Now, that's that one play. He obviously played poorly in other areas as well. He had a bad game. He did. But he's also playing up higher in the lineup than he should be. I, you just, I'm not going to compare him to Carl Osner because I still think he's better. But like we've said about Carl Osner, he can't play 20 to 25 minutes. He has to no. play... He has to play 17 to 20 minutes a game. Uh, I mean, Savard could play 20, 21 minutes. With but, the right partner. And it's got to be like someone uh, for his minutes to reach that level. He's got to play about 15 minutes of even strength time. And then the rest is penalty kill. Yeah. So third pairing with penalty killing Yeah. as well. But uh, I, I just, I mean, I know we were talking about Detroit, but. Really, they had a great game against Detroit. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. They played, I thought they played well against the Islanders until the Islanders started putting pucks in the net. And then they kind of the third period come actually the third period was the best period of the whole game. Uh they scored their two goals. Uh you take away the second period, Montreal wins the game. Well, if they go to overtime, it's two two. But uh yeah. while well, there's no empty net goals, Montreal wins two to one. But uh um it's just I don't know. Montreal's so inconsistent that I, I, I can't put my finger on exactly what's yeah. wrong. 
Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency. But the one thing that I saw in the Islanders game was not was them not quitting. You know, mm-hmm. they still put in their effort. They still tried. They didn't look dejected. They were still trying to play their game. The problem is that they're playing individually. They're not... Uh, it, the game against Detroit, they played a more structured group. They played as a team. Whereas when the Islanders in the Islanders game, they, they had moments like that, but for the most part, it was still, I'm going to do something. And then I'm going to hope the guys there. So it, 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 it looks completely un- disheveled. So. But we can say that, I, but we can say that though, again, say, with all the wins that they had this year. Yeah. All the wins that they've had this year, they've actually played as a team. The only other game that I could think of off the top of my head that they came out and maybe put out a little bit more effort was their opening game against the Leafs. Yes. But other, than, Rangers, other, other than that, it's just been just been and the shit. Rangers, the Rangers game too. But I think yeah, that goes yeah. back to what I was saying. I think that yeah. goes back to what I was saying about once they get down by a couple goals – it's almost like they turn into, well, I got to do something to put this team on my shoulders and take it. And nobody is, everybody's kind of doing it on their own. There's not one person on the bench saying, okay, boys, let's, you know, keep going. Let's keep doing what we're doing. We're doing well. Uh, you got guys like, and I think that comes down to leadership and it comes down to too many young guys being thrust into a leadership role like Suzuki, like, uh, you know, and now and Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher's a great leader. But Gal Gallagher's like, well, I got to go out and do something. You know what I mean? Suzuki, I got to go out and do something. Uh, Romanov, I got to go out and do something. Dvorak, I got to go out and do something. But, but it's, not, same- it's not we got to go out and do something and we got to structure this together it's and I. do it together. Yeah. It's everyone in their own mind saying, yeah. well, I got to do something. Well, look at, look at Jeff Petrie, right? Jeff Petrie has been the Canadians' most consistent defenseman over the last few seasons. This year he's looked just so out of place. And he's trying to do too much because he's really he's even said it. And he's yeah. already and he's already said it. He's trying to do too much and he's trying to change his own game up instead of just playing the game that has earned him this contract and earned him the reputation of being a consistent guy on the blue line. And since he made it to that, he now has three points in three games and he's yeah. playing a little bit more of a structured game. That's right. He's playing the game that he is known for playing. And this is where like your your comparison to the 2017 Canadians. Outcome wise fits, but I'm going to say that it's not quite a, an exact comparison because that team, anytime they, they're just, their shoulders would slump and they would just look down at their feet and they just seem like they were completely like someone shot their dog, but this team, it's as if they're, they're trying to show that they can fight back and, but they're not doing it as a team. They're doing it as all a bunch of individuals and no one's working together. So that points to the leadership, like you said. Leadership. The yeah. thing is, for this consistent that um, consistently comes up for me is, you turn a game on, you never know what the product is you're going to get on the ice. Entertainment, right? You you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Like no, you you watched the game last year, and even when they were going through their slump last year, and we can say this about the last few years is every season they've had a slump. However. I haven't turned the television on or sat down and watched the game and expected the team to just be terrible. 
right? I expect them to put in some sort of effort throughout, throughout the year. And like, we look at the games. So I've got a little graphic here from their wins and then following, following a win. So their six, one win against Detroit, they followed it up with a five, one loss against Seattle. The next time they won four, nothing win in San Jose, which I think was one of their best games of the year. 5-2 loss against LA and then a 3 nothing win against Detroit followed up with what a 6-2 loss to the Islanders. So there's there's just the consistency isn't there. And we can we can say it's the guy behind the bench. We can say that it's the leadership. We can say it's guys playing as individuals. What like, you throw all those together, you've got a really shitty product on the ice. And we're seeing we're seeing the fans really start to give it to this team during yeah. uh, during home games. They're not, they're not happy about it. There is a ton of pessimism. And I think it does point to that inconsistency. The last few years, I mean, under Julian, uh, when they were going through their slumps, they were still in the games. They weren't getting blown out. It was four, three, three, two, three, one. Um, They, they actually, they were just outplayed in those games or they, they didn't show up on time. You know, they played a 40-minute game instead of a 60-minute game. They had one bad period. In these this season under Ducharme, it is either the whole team shows up and plays well or everything goes wrong for 60 minutes and they're getting blown out. So this inconsistency is just – it's fueling that pessimism. So – is that is that the system is too complicated? Is it uh, is the system just not working with the team? Uh, I, this is probably why there's so much talk about firing the coach over and over. I just can't see it happening right now, though. Well, you guys know going to back to last year, I'm not a big Ducharme fan. However, I don't think he's going to get fired, and there's a lot of factors onto why he probably won't get fired. We talked to him before. Julian's still under contract. Ducharme just signed a three-year extension. The GM that just signed him to that three-year extension is still in charge of the team. He's not going. Whether and, this, and they, whether and this, they, and they oh. just signed all the assistants. Yeah. Whether they just uh, win five games all year, they're going to stay with Dom Ducharme. The only way Ducharme's leaving is if they either fire Bergevin before the end of the year and the new GM comes in and says, I'm cleaning out. And I doubt that's going to happen. I think he's going to come in assess the team, take the rest of the year to assess the team, see what he needs to do in the off season and go from there. Uh, if they change the GM in the off season, then there could be a total revamp of the whole management system, which I think should happen once Bergevin's out. Um, but again, now you're going to pay two coaches for at least the next two years. Right. I get it. It's not our, it's, Molson has the money to do that. It doesn't hurt the cap any. They can do this. And he's only getting paid a million and a half. So it's not like he's a $5 million head coach or anything. But it comes into play. It comes into play, especially when you're paying Julian $5 million, him a million and a half, and then you're going to bring this new coach in, unless he's someone from the Alex Burroughs or Luke Richardson or someone already there, then you're going to have to pay this other guy. Alan Vino's not available, so that's another reason why. Uh, yeah, and it's his turn. And it's his turn to come back to the Canadians. So, uh, and I'm going to say this now, anyone who's going on about the language thing, 
hire the best guy available, do this, do that. Sure, you're absolutely right. Hire the best guy available, except it's Montreal and it's not happening. You are yelling into a void. You are yelling at a wall. You're wasting your breath going on about this. They're going to hire a French GM or at least someone who can at least speak French enough to the media. And they're going to go with a head coach that can speak French unless it's on an interim basis. Now this whole, and, and this whole thing, this whole scenario, I agree. They're not firing Ducharme. He's staying for the whole year because Julian's getting paid 5 million. Yeah. And, and that's not even the main reason. The main reason is like you said, it's the GM. You're not going to hire a coach before you hire a new GM. And going into this year, I was, I was very concerned about a lame duck season. And this is, this is what I'm talking about with the lame duck. You have a lame duck GM in the last year of his deal. You don't know what the future is going to hold. What is he going to do? What, what's the team's plan? What's its strategy? What's the way forward? And this all falls on Molson. Molson allowed this to happen. And now this, this season is already flying off the rails. What Molson has to do is make a decision. Is Bergevin the man for the future? He's made the contract offer, uh, supposedly, uh, based on reports coming out of the TSN and Sportsnet that there was an offer made. So he wanted him. But Bergevin said, eh, I'm not sure, because he's obviously not signed. So you say, if you're Molson, you say to yourself, well, if you're not sure now, you're not going to be sure in six months. So I'm moving on. So you just fire him, get him out of the way, and then you start your search. You don't, you don't need to have him in place. You can use one of the assistant GMs as an interim while you're doing your search. I, I personally feel that, I, I mean, Molson likes hockey. He's a hockey fan like most people, and he's got a new president in France Belanger, but she's not a hockey person. So maybe he should go out and hire someone like a Bobby Smith or um, bring Serge Savard back to act as uh, his second or Ken Dryden, put Ken Dryden in place as team president on the hockey ops side only. And then go from there. Once you have your GM, like you said, Treg, he can, he can assess the season as it goes. But that's not even the biggest issue for me. The biggest issue for me is the way ahead. Do you, does this new person have a plan where it's a full rebuild, where he's getting rid of everything, or is he going to retool? But it's also the drafting and the development. And, and, and there's so many little things. And this is why I say, once you get rid of Bergevin, maybe not during the season, if you get rid of Bergevin during the season, you're not going to do this. But if you get rid of Bergevin and in the off season, time to clean house. Time for this GM or president of hockey ops, whoever's coming in, get your own people in there. That way, if you have your own vision, you have your own way of doing Because let's be honest, development in Montreal, even before Bergevin got in, has not been great. It's not great. It has not produced a lot of hockey players. It has not. The drafting, I'm not, you know what? I'm not sold that the drafting has been terrible. I'm really not. And a lot of people are saying, oh, the draft is terrible. You look at the guys they drafted, the spot they were drafted in, and where they were supposed to be drafted at the time, and Montreal didn't reach all that many times. They pretty much picked the guy that was supposed to be picked around that pick. Was yeah. it the right guy? Well, not always. Most of the time it hasn't been, but 
And then there's a few times they picked for need. Cotton Yemi, McCarron, Louis LeBlanc. I guess you can go back that far. His need was he was French and the draft was in Montreal. But um, so I look at the developing and I look at the development with Savan Lefebvre in there for so long, too long. And now that they brought Bouchard's now gone, uh, you know, they really got to start changing things, not just at the GM level, but at the other levels and, and get a whole new vision in there, get a whole new set of eyes and a whole new set of hockey ops to say, all right, what's wrong with this team and how can we make it better? Cause after a while, I mean, you guys both know after a while you have a vision, this is our vision. This is the way we're going. And if the same people are all agreeing with it, no one's going to see too many of the errors. True. For, right. for now, until, the, you know, as long as the team is starting to move ahead and improve, like you look at the Rangers, the Rangers, they put out that letter, we're going to rebuild. And then, you know, they, they won two lotteries. They've got Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere. And you can say that both were excellent picks, but so far, neither's really done much. But they've improved not because of their drafting or development, They've improved because they've made some, some decent trades and they signed, they signed the bread man, Panarin. So is that much different than what the Canadians retool plan was? Like it's, it, they, the people, the fans are harping about the drafting and development, but other teams aren't just drafting, developing and not signing anyone or trading anyone. Well, you can't say Bergevin's bad at trading because he's not, but he's not getting. Montreal does not have a superstar player or forward. They don't have a Panarin. They don't have no. a Pasternak. They don't have a McDavid or a Dreisaitl. They don't have a Matthews or a Marner. They don't. No. And I'm not you saying can, you. You can maybe argue, maybe argue that they'll have a couple of first line type players, like all star level you know, every now and then all-star level type players with, uh, with Suzuki and Caulfield and, coming up. But they're not a guarantee. They don't no. have that guarantee. This is going to be our top player. First line, get us 50, you know, like other team, like, like the Rangers have in Panarin. But that's the best they have. There's no, there's no elite get superstar, that, but they've had 10 years to get one. Exactly. But that's my point. That's all they have right now. Yeah. They've no had elite but, superstars. And my point is they've had 10 years to get one. They, they've had it. They've had, you know, they've all these draft picks that they've had over the past three years, you couldn't put a package together to get some type of guaranteed number one guy. Come on, Matt, would you have done that? Would you have went out and got a guaranteed number one guy? I think that they've had the opportunities in the past. They just haven't pulled the trigger. Um, I, I they, we knew they were in on a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, and I've been a huge Ryan O'Reilly fan since he's got into the league. And you know, they was they deemed that it was it was too much. They wanted they wanted Paling at the time, and if I would have known that Paling would be the player that he is right now, and we could have got Ryan O'Reilly, I would have sent him Pappen. Yeah, but wasn't right there away. a lot more in that deal? Like there was, there was but that was the, but that was the main piece was was Paling. But even Ryan O'Reilly is not your big number one guy. 
he'd still be better than most of the players on that team right he now. He would though. be, but right. I'm talking Montreal's had 10 years under Bergevin. And everyone oh, knows wait. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Bergevin supporter. I'm not, I'm yeah. not. And he's never got an elite hockey player. Never. Not once. Not in a trade, not in a, in a, in a draft, not nothing. Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the team this year and with the players that they lost and then the players that they've lost to injury and the guys they don't have currently around right now, you're missing Edmondson, who's just this year has just been kind of a mystery when, when he's going to be back. Um, There was, there was the injury that he was coming back from that everything happened with his father. And we, we obviously we can't blame him for that. And then now a, um, I guess more injury you're missing Paul Byron who we already knew was going to be missed. Then the third, then with Carey Price being out, then you lost Kakaniemi to, uh, to um, the Canes. And then you lose, you know, play, you know, you lose to et cetera. And you bring in all these wingers and we said they have an abundance of wingers. They're going to say they signed all these wingers. They re-signed all these wingers. And then, we were kind of optimistic that they were going to be able to shelter these centers so far, other than Suzuki and Dvorak with some flashes from Evans. That's really all we've seen. We haven't really seen, like we, we've seen guys kind of thrown into these roles that maybe they shouldn't be in, but it's the only players that they have. We've seen Paquette struggle mightily in, especially, especially at center. Or, or, or at face-offs. Uh, Perot's doing what he can, and, and I'll give him that. He's he's had that hat-trick game, and he's doing what he can. But he's then, out. Right? But, but he's, he's out, out now, too. Right? And then you got Brooks that you brought in, and he's only got three games in, but he's another guy that's, you know, he's new to the system. He's new to this, new to that. You're not going to expect a lot from him. Right. You've got Paling, who a lot of people said, yeah, call him up, but then he got injured. So he's it's just been, back now. And so. he's just back now. So it's it's one kind of disappointment after the other. And you you combine that with lack of leadership. You combine that with a coaching system that for these players doesn't seem to be working. You you bring in the injuries, you bring in the 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 fact that they're pressed against the cap right now with the players that they have. So what you have, what you have right now is a team that's not working and you've really got no money to, uh, to make any, to make any big changes unless there's salary that's going to come out the other, on the other direction. And then you can add too, you have your supposed star young prospect in Caulfield. Yeah. Now, and you're sending them to the minors to get his confidence back instead of just letting them play through on the top lines, top up of the lines, and giving them the minutes to the NHL. The team's already shit, right? Give them the time, give them the time, put them out on the power play for the full two goddamn minutes and pass them the puck. Let them sink or swim in the NHL. Don't put them down in the AHL. I wasn't, I I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of him getting sent down. So I've got something on that, but I want to just address what Matt's comments were. You've got all these injuries, and so that that leaves the team as basically a three-line, one-and-a-half-pairing type team with a backup goalie. You cannot have success in the NHL with that, especially when you don't have a system. Like, you uh, you look at other teams that have elite talent, 
they can be a two or three line team and still get away with it in the regular season, like Toronto. They're basically a two line team, but they have success in the regular season because those two lines produce. The Canadians don't have that elite superstar talent at those two lines. So they have to rely on rolling four lines, rolling three pairs and grinding you down and winning games that way. And they cannot do that. This system doesn't seem to be working. Like you said, Matt, it doesn't fit. It's not working. There's all kinds of other reasons as to why, but you boil it down to that. That's pretty much it. And on Caulfield, for whatever reason, um, he Ducharme didn't trust him. So he had him down on a third line playing with guys like Paquette as his center or, or Evans or, so he was playing on a third line. He was getting about 12 minutes a game at five on 10 to 12 minutes, five on five. And then he had some mop up time on the power play. And when he was on the power play, he's wide open and no one's passing to him. No, got to shoot from the blue line. So moving him down to Laval, I think is good because it's, it insulates him from this gong show and J- uh, Jeff Hood in Laval is going to use him as a top line winger on the top power play. He's going to give him all the best players to go uh, that he has on hand to help him. And which he should, but this should be happening. This should be happening in Montreal. Dom Ducharme could be doing the exact same thing. Dom Ducharme could say, because it's not that he was playing bad. You look at his Corsi, you look at his XGF, you look at all the stuff away. the He wasn't playing bad hockey. His zone entries, however, his shot generation. However, he wasn't putting the puck in the net. No. But you can't put the puck in the net if you don't have people that can feed you the puck. Yeah, but this whole team right now can't put the puck in the net. After like two, 12, 12 games, they scored 24 goals, right? Yeah. They can't score in the power play. If they take a penalty, I'm just assuming we're getting fucking scored against. Although like, the PK they, like, has they, been better lately. It has been. It was been. good, it it has was good been. against the Islanders. Right. It ha- which, the which PK outscored the power play in the Islanders game. I yeah. want to point that out. Yeah. Or even. But it's so frustrating to watch. Right. You take you take the player that everyone's saying is going to be the next, say, 30 goal scorer, at least for the Canadians. And you throw him in Laval. And then you talk about confidence and you talk about this. And then there's the, there's the, there's the story of, uh, you know, Corey Perry reaching out to him. I don't know what kind of truth about that is, but. I'm sure he texted him and said, right. Hey, keep your head up kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it like, was from a reliable source. Yeah. But you've got a team, you've got a team already that can't score goals and you take a player that. Yeah. Was the guy struggling? Absolutely. It was. Was he getting his chances though? Absolutely. Yeah, did but he, those did chances. He just need was... to, did he just need to pop that one at the NHL level? Yes. Right. Yeah, and it's a confidence thing. Like you watch the chances that he was having. It's yeah. not that he wasn't able to create them or find them or get the shot, but the shot was not as crisp. It was not as accurate. It was, it was rushed or yeah. it wasn't in the right position. I'm, I'm seeing his... a very different player from what we saw in the playoffs than we see now. Yes. And I thought, you know, uh, you have an off season, you get a training camp, which I've talked about the training camp and how terrible the training camp was as a whole for the, for the team in general. Yeah. But moving on, moving on from that, I thought that we were going to see kind of 
the next step forward for Caulfield. And it just seems that the guy's fighting the puck. Like he could be as wide open as wide open can be and get the perfect pass on his stick and he bobbles it. And, 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 and I, it, it does come down to confidence. And I really think that they should have just kept him where he was. He was playing better than some of the guys in the lineup that are still in the lineup right now. And it's just about utilization and just, you've got a guy that's got that lethal of a shot, get him the puck. And it's not like he didn't have his chances, as we said. And you're rolling a, when you're rolling a five on three power play and your big, your big thing is, you know, let's make, let's make this little design here, but we're always going to get Petrie to shoot or we're always going to get Weidman to shoot. We're always going to get Nico to shoot. Yeah, right? it's that, a very that, it's a very easy system. It's a very easy we, system to predict. We were just talking about development for a player, right? Yeah. And we're looking at Caulfield, and we can we're admitting that he's doing well, but he's missing something. Like it is is just doing well enough. Like it, it, development is not a linear progression directly well, up. There's you there's look peaks at, and valleys to it, and and that's the other side of it. Is it the best move to to keep him where he is or send him down? And if you send him down, do you wait till he has, for instance, you play, say he plays his first game in Laval, puts up three points, pops a goal or two. Do you call him back up or do you keep him back down? You keep him down there and say, that was good. Let's continue to see what you got. Because I can see them doing that. They're like, oh, he's got his confidence back. Let's bring him up. Or do they keep him down? Kind of like what they did say with Pacioretty, right? Pacioretty was a guy that was up and down. And when he finally came back up, he stuck and he did very damn well. Now I made this case in an article, the case for putting him in the minors. We talked about, and I covered it in the article as well about his usage in Montreal, how it's gone down. He's lost the trust of the team or the coach um, he's getting less minutes. His confidence isn't quite there. Moving him down will allow him to play those minutes. will allow him to build his confidence because he's going to be playing with the best players available to him there. Like Norlander is also going yeah. to play tonight uh, as we record it's Saturday, November 6th. So Norlander is going to be there. Caulfield's going to be there. He's going to be on a line with, uh, with, uh, with uh, I think, Paling and possibly Yellowin and RHP. It's RHP is what I yeah. read earlier. So, so. he's going to have the best uh, best available players to him in the AHL. He's going to have the best power play players available to him, and he's going to stay there for a while. These let's say he scores a hat trick his first game. Calling him up would be a mistake right after that because you're basically saying, ah, oh, yeah, go down, score a couple goals, and come back up. You're fine. Because he's going to be coming back up to a team that has not changed. It's right. still the same gong show as before. It's still the same coach who's going to do the same things. It, it is, and you brought up Patchetti, and I brought him up in the article as well. Yeah. Patchetti flat out said, "I need to go back to uh, to Hamilton because it was the Bulldogs at the time to play in the top six role because that's what I am, and I don't want to come back." until there's a top six role available to me. And that's exactly what should have to happen with Caulfield. If you're not bringing him up to play him on the top two lines, do not bring him up. 
Yeah. And and this is an if, issue you have in Montreal is they have all these players, right, that aren't playing in the roles they should be playing in. They're all playing up a role for some reason. Yeah, like they, their wingers is fine because um, Huffman and Gallagher and all of them can play top six roles. So when you have a Toffoli or a, or a Huffman on a third line, that should be a good thing. That's right. Right? The problem is, is when you have an Armia on a second line or an Evans on a third line when you should be playing a fourth yeah. a fourth line center yeah. role. Yeah. When you have Savard on the second pairing or you have a, you know, when yeah. you have these yeah. guys on playing in roles that they're not supposed to be playing, Bad things happen, yeah. right? The whole, the whole defense right now is yeah. abysmal. It's like with Norlander. If he he can only play ten games in Laval, that's it. Yeah. And then Montreal yeah. got to make the decision of bringing him to Montreal or sending him to Sweden. If they bring him to Montreal, Norlander got to play in a top four role because that's what his role is supposed to be, right? Caulfield, you're absolutely right. I don't have an issue with Caulfield going to the AHL. I just didn't think it was necessary. I don't have it. Pasternak yeah. went down and he came back. You can name Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl went down and came back a better player. The problem was it wasn't necessary. All you had to do was put Caulfield in his right role and give him the time to succeed, and he would have succeeded. Just look at Suzuki now. Look at Suzuki's, what, got eight points in the last six games or something? Why? Because they kept him in the role he was supposed to be in, and they let him work through his struggles. And But there are two different types of players, right? So uh, Suzuki is with that that hardworking two-way center. So as long as his defense is there, they're not going to take him out of that role. With, with Caulfield, he has grown up as the scoring guy. He's the guy who scores. So mm-hmm. with him, I don't think he's ever gone 10 games in his life without scoring a goal. So give so him that, the puck. That plays with your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, give him the puck. But you notice that he's rushing, rushing his shots. Like, that, like Matt, you mentioned, he was getting these passes even if they were perfect on the tape, he was already in motion with the shot instead of allowing it to come to the spot where he normally waits. It's just a matter of inches, but that that's where the confidence comes in because he yeah. knows he's going to get the shot off the right way. And he knows where he's going to go. It's those little things. It's the mechanics there going down. I, I, I realized keeping him up as long as he was in a top line role sounds great, but if it keeps going on and on and on where he just doesn't pot one or the team is still not working for him in this case i think the better idea was to leave him leave him in laval for a little while and then call him back up so then you can put him back in that role and then let him finish the season that way i have a feeling that what's going to happen is barring some sort of other injury that he's going to stay there until price is back yeah, I think they're probably going to do a mass recall. Uh, and then, and then you yeah. know, get some sort of extra boost to the team and then be like, hey, you should come back too. I think come Christmas time, you're going to see both him and Paling be called up and they're going to yep. stay up for the rest of the year. Yep. That, that's what I think is going to happen. Because I can see that. Let, let's be honest, this team's not making the playoffs. Let's be honest. It, it's, not, it's not happening. Whether well, mathematically they could, but let's, yeah. I'm just, let's be realistic. They're, so they're, they're going to win a nine. Cup. Yeah. They're three and nine. They pretty they're much going to win. Making it. No. They, they pretty much got to win like 45 games. They're totally going to do it. <laughs> right. They're going to go 50 and 10. Sure. <laughs> you know, we all want to see, we all want to see Price come back and just carry this team like he has. 
but yeah. is it is it realistic and is probably not it's I, unfair course, to him. Am I am, right it's unfair to him of course am i still going to cheer for the team of course i'm still cheer for the team yeah personally if they don't I, fix the defense i say keep price out <laughs> well that's the thing right like, if you look at the if you look at the team and you've got Weidman, Niku, and Kulak playing. Let alone they're playing all at the same time. There's something. There's a. There's a big issue because you look at those three guys, and most of them aren't on a aren't on an NHL team. Uh, when you look across the rosters of the other teams, I think Nico could make it bottom. I think Nico could make the team, but you they're can't all have bottom all three pairing seventh exactly. type. Exactly, they're all bottom type. You know, six seven guys. Yeah. And it's like, let's use them in a fucking three, four role. <laughs> let's use them all in a three, four. Yeah, role. exactly. Montreal like, has three defensemen that can play top four minutes. Yeah. yeah. And one, one is he- Romanov, you're, you're iffy, depending on who he's pairs with. And that's another one with the development. Yeah. Like what the right. hell's going on there? He's scratched one game, dressed the next, but, he's up and down the lineup. Again, that's another player. I liked have to put in a big role. I liked what they were doing with having him with Savard, and yes. it seemed to be working. And then all of a sudden, it's like let's throw Kulak there, and that's just been awful. And then they practiced yesterday, and we saw how bad they were together against the Islanders. And they practiced the same damn pairings the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, let's just put Romanov with with Weidman. He's kind of Russian, right? <laughs> and that's, and, what and they, that's and the that's problem what with did. Romanov. Romanov with Wyman didn't work at the first of the season. Why do you think it's going to work now? And he was working with Savard, and Savard looked well, you know, playing on his uh, his yeah. side as well. well you did. You didn't so, notice him. You didn't know when you don't exactly. notice Savard, he's having a good game. And it's well, the no, same with And we've been waiting for Evanson to get back, and I think that that's going to bring a little bit of structure to the decor. But how many games is it going to take him to get his legs and get his, say, NHL game back? If you bring Edmondson back, Romanoff goes to Laval. Well, at this at this with the way they're yeah, with the way they're using waiver, their players, he's waiver exempt. Yeah. He's waiver exempt, and the way they're using him, it's it's just a logical choice. But back to the parents with Romanov, we talked we talked at length about Caulfield. Romanov's in that same boat, mm-hmm. you know. He, he he looked good playing with Savard. Savard looked good playing with him. So what's the best course of action? Eh, break up that pairing so we can help a co- uh, help someone else, and it's yeah. not working. So yeah. with with Romanov, put him back with Savard. Give him those top four minutes. Let him play his style of game. Yeah, he'll make mistakes. Just go over it with him. He's he's a smart kid. You can walk him through things. The same with Suzuki. He he's out there and he was making mistakes. They went they went through video and then he made some adjustments and now he's playing really well. So do the same thing with Romanov. And Romanov, you're is right. The, first the season's guy the pretty. Ice. Yeah, the yeah. season's pretty much already out the window playoff wise. So either give Romanov that top four role and let him play his game, or move him the fuck down because this pulling him in and out changing changing the uh the, the roles that he's in uh changing his partners this is not helping him these young guys need a steady hand that's development his development's not going to be a you know a linear path straight up but if you're giving him a steady hand you're you are being consistent in your approach to the player that's development eventually that player should reach their potential 
but they're not yeah. doing that. Yeah. The only, the only, the only person that off the top of my head right now that I can think that they have succeeded in helping develop this season is Caden Primo. They went yes. out and they got, they got Matombo and they said, we're going to throw you in. You're going to be, you're a waiver pickup. You'll play here and there instead of taking a guy like Primo, calling him up to sit him on the bench or, or throwing him out and possibly getting lit up. And then another guy that you're going to break his confidence. They've succeeded there. They've succeeded there. They just need to do it at the other levels. I'm, I'm going to throw something out there though. Why go out and get Montembeau where they could have put McNevin in as the backup? Because they don't have any plan for McNiven. They don't see him in their plans. He shouldn't matter. He's nothing to them. So was Lindgren. And Lindgren was the backup to Allen all last year. Ah, But going out and picking a guy up off the waiver wire made it look like you did something. I don't know. I'm I'm in the process of writing an article about McNiven and Montreal's developing and how shitty it is. And McNiven's one of those guys who, even if he's not in their plans, so he's not in their plans, put him at the NHL level, let him get his whatever in. Maybe at the trade deadline, you get something for him, or at least you give this kid a chance to have a career somewhere else. Instead, you got him wasting away in the in the AHL, was the ECHL, now is the AHL. He's playing very well down in the AHL. As a matter of fact, his numbers are better than Primo's. And uh, give him the, you know, I don't, anyway, it's a different story, different topic, but they should have goes, the balls to put him in. It goes back to the developing and the way they treat some of their, and I think you're absolutely right. They have a plan for certain players and others. Ah, well, whatever. It seems it's a little bit of a crapshoot, right? Yeah. So. yeah. And that's the problem with the, uh, the development system in Montreal. They yeah. don't have the balls to let a guy like McNiven take a shot. Speaking of yeah. balls, brace yourselves. Winter is coming. What the writers of Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The performance package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will help your boys get fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The refined cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag 
to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTER20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTER20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code UNFILTER20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. Well, if you can develop a, pl- a manscaping plan, you should be able to develop young hockey players. I like to hope so. You would think. Uh. The segues. The segues. Oh, <laughs> God, the segues. Uh, so we were talking about the development plans. I mean, you're right, Treg, that, and Matt. You guys both made excellent points. They don't seem to have a plan, a universal plan. And that's, that is on the general manager. And it, it ties right back to the beginning of the show where we were talking about Molson, find a GM who has a plan and not just a, well, we're going to be a cup contender. If I do these two things, no, someone who has a plan for each aspect of the program yeah it's going to be interesting to see listen we talked about primo and they've so far they've made the right move with him mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with caulfield and we'll now see what happens with norlander they've also made the right decision so far with Gooley, who who in my opinion looked better than some of the defensemen that are currently playing on the team right now but instead of saying to the saying, well, we're just going to throw you into this, into this mix of, you know, <laughs> shit that we have right now on the blue line. We're going to send you back. You captain your team out West. And so far he's done all right. He's, he's a point of game player. He's got eight assists in eight games. And the, and the Raiders have turned their season around too. That's they right. Off like That's right. Four and now and we're likely to see him with a letter, if not the C for team Canada, the juniors. So I think that's only going to be good for his confidence. And I think this is going to be a real, say, breakout season for him. And if he doesn't make the team next year, he's likely a, um, a top pairing guy in Laval next year. Yeah, going to what you said, Fairbrother looked better than uh, yes, a bunch yes. of – Yeah, Fairbrother did look good. Now. Yeah. So uh, the future looks good for Montreal. Like I, I, I think this team, as bad as they're playing on paper, they shouldn't be this bad, nope. even without pricing them. And it comes down to the injuries and the lack of leadership because of those injuries. You look on paper, even without Price and Weber, you still look on paper and go, this team should not be a three and 19, maybe a five and 16. You know what I mean? Maybe around 500, but, uh, and that's what we were hoping for. The team would be about 500 until Price got back and then maybe, but now we're just hoping Price comes back and we, I say keep them out, shit the bed for the rest of the season, and hopefully we get to win the lottery because that, well, that's what Montreal needs. They need, and, and that's a, that's a problem because that trade for Dvorak is now going to start biting them in the ass because if they don't end up in the top ten, that means Arizona gets that pick. That's right. So they finish eleventh. Arizona has the eleventh overall pick, and Montreal yeah. has the whatever Carolina. Well, right now Carolina could finish thirtieth. So, but that's the thing. Like if if the Canadians can 
just just make a couple of trades to, you know, throw a few guys out there, call up some young guys, play them in prominent roles, let Price take as much time as humanly possible to come back and keep the team, you know, like it, it I'm, I'm saying it, they're, they have to tank a bit. Because you don't want to end up with Arizona getting the 11th pick and you 30th after this season. Holy shit. What a nightmare scenario that would be for the Canadians. I mean, although the draft this year is deep, sorry, picking after 20 in any draft, no matter how deep it is, is a crapshoot. Yeah. But if you look at the top 15 in this draft, you're looking at several really good centermen. What do the Canadians need? They need some centermen in their system what else do they need more defensemen and the not top 15 win, is not all this. yeah <laughs> but what they do need is to pick best player available and not pick for need like they but that's have, the like thing the deal. best but player that's, available that, that's the beauty of this draft is that best their players needs. available are their needs exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah. if it's a centerman that's available there and that's the best guy pick them but there's also defensemen available in the draft around there that would also be a good a good pick. So you can argue that either one would be a good pick. And if they get in the top five, almost any of those picks can almost go right into the NHL right away. Sure, almost. but I would especially I would if it's Bedard or Wright. Yeah. Uh, Bedard's next year, I think. I thought Bedard's next year. year. Oh, yeah. he's next year. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. This uh, year, this year is Savoie and Shane Wright and yeah. Brad Lambert and those kind of guys. See, I would I would say that Wright could be NHL ready this year, but the rest I would argue against it. Like Brad Lambert would be an excellent pick for the Canadians. Let it, but leave him in Europe for another year. Don't make the uh, don't make the Kot, uh, mistake again. Okay, you could argue that because the guy did have thirty four points in his rookie year. You could argue that he made the team on his own merit. Yes. However, come January, should have hit should have sent his ass back to Laval or Finland or wherever they, they had to send yeah. him because yeah. you could see he was dropping off, like dropping off a cliff as soon as January. Ended. Because sometimes making the team, just because you, you're able to make the team it is detrimental to development. It's not yeah. always, you have to look at with young guys, what's the best interest long-term because you didn't draft them to be good enough. You drafted them to be top line players when you draft that high so yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta look at that stuff you you can't think sending someone down as as uh means they're a bust or you can't rush these guys yes it does caulfield is now a bust because we had to send him oh to totally yeah. he's yeah. terrible yeah should have had nick robertson no no it's bunting now Oh, it's bunting. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, because he's on their team. You know, the it's, it's totally different now. I thought Nick Ritchie was the savior. Totally, yeah, he is. It's <laughs> not. Scores, uh, it's not high. He scores. And that's, he'll, he'll score a goal, and then he'll be back to being the savior. And that's why yeah. he's on the fourth line. Yeah, yeah. he's the savior. Yeah, it's just like uh, just like when uh, in 2018 when they drafted Kachniemi, it's should have gotten Kachuk, even though everyone was saying Zadina at the time. Yeah. You know, you got to move the goalposts. You cannot be a proper fan or pundit if you're not moving goalposts. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about this a little bit off air. Like it's easy to see. 
it's easy to see the players and how they're how they uh, they turn out. But when, when you when you look at a guy that's picked in the fourth or fifth round, and then all of a sudden he becomes a superstar player, there was a hell of a lot of other teams that passed on this guy too. It wasn't just the Canadians. Braden Point's a good example. Everyone complains, right. oh, we could have got Braden Point. Yeah. You could have got, we could have got so other many players. Right? Braden Point so... twice. He went in the third round. Right. <laughs> you so... know what I mean? Like, anyway. Jamie Benn. There's, there's been He was a so fifth many round players, pick. Right. There's so many players. Right. The, the one that still pisses me off, though, is 03. That's the one that still pisses me off. But... See, for me, it's not. Uh... <laughs> I know we're going to, we're rambling a little bit here near the end of the show, but for me, it's not the fact that there's these guys that other teams have gotten. We should have got that guy. For me, it's the fact that there hasn't been one of those late round gems hit for the Canadians at any point in the last 15 years. Had they've gotten some. Gallagher. I'd say Gallagher. Gallagher. (sighs) He's not, I wouldn't say he's like, you know, the, the bees knees. Fuck it. You know, I'd still put for, He's still good. He's no, he's no um, multiple times. He's no Datsuk. You know what I mean? Like the, the like mm-hmm. that that level of home run. I guess so. Get... Yeah, but what team has in the past fifteen? Yeah. Years? Well, point, we just Braden Point. Braden Point. Okay, that's one. Jamie Ben. You know two. Yeah, there's not a lot, but that's <laughs> that's my point. Yeah. We can look at these players and say we could have got that guy or this guy, but it would have been it would be nice for the Canadians to finally get a guy. I can care less what position he is or who he is, where he's from. Farrell. We got him. Farrell. Farrell's going to be our gem. Actually, I did a, uh, I did a prospect write-up for a, uh, an update for the hockey writers, and the Canadians, uh, Canadians fans should keep an eye on Farrell. He's got nine points now in three games. He just got two goals last night for Harvard. Now, the division he's in is not the best division, for the NCAA, but here's a kid who got over hundred points last year in Chicago in the USHL, won the MVP, won their cup. Now he's in the NCAA and he's lighting it up. So he might end up being one of those late round gems, but he's, he's a winger. So uh, maybe in three, four years, might see him on the wing. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's that's his pro- progression, anyways. Yeah, another three, four years. But he's an undersized, and he's an undersized player. Perfect I, for I the saw, Canadians. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw some uh, some stuff on Twitter this morning where people were complaining that Montreal didn't pick Anderson in the fourth round when he was available, and they got uh, Brady Vale instead. Well, you got him now. I don't see what the complaint is. We could have had him four years ago, Blaine. <laughs> this is, and I said, this is, and this we is had the, him for our cup. Oh wait, we did have him for our cup run. I said, like this is the this is the problem that people that like, there's so many people that are posting this up. They're like, oh, you could have had Patrice Bergeron. You could have had this. Hindsight. You could have had this. And I'm like, well, of course, but you can say that against any other team. And that and that's. that's that's my argument. You can't look at a draft five years later yeah, and say, and then, why didn't we get this guy? Because if you look at central scouting and you look yeah. at who was picked to go where and yeah. you look at Montreal's draft picks, they didn't reach very often. Nope. Did, uh, however, you could say, all right, they didn't reach very often, but they do have a history of picking the wrong guy in that spot. 
right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that brings me again to the man in charge, the GM in charge, and his overall plan that includes a scouting plan. So what is the plan for them at the table? What is, what is it that they're looking at? What is their, their drafting plan? And then the last, I'd say the last three, four drafts for the Canadians, they've actually had a plan that you can discern. Yes. They're, yeah. they're doing the shotgun method. They've got a ton of picks and they say, okay, this year, the depth of this draft is centers. So we're going to pick a ton of centers and hope to, to hit. Oh, this year it's defense. Well, we're going to take a ton of defense this year and hope a couple hit. So they're using that shotgun method, but you need more than that. Like, are you putting an emphasis on skating? Are you putting an emphasis on, on uh, team skills? Like, what is your, 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 uh, your scouting plan, not just your drafting plan. And that comes back to who's in charge. That's why they got to clear everything out and come up with a new plan with new people, with new eyes, with new looks, with new strategies. And that's why Molson needs to do that now. Yeah. Come in gonna, now and do it. And it's going to be really interesting to see their latest first round pick. What's going to end up happening to him come January, if he's even going to be reinstated with the league. So, or is that just going to end up being a thrown away first round pick? Odds are he is right. going to be reinstated by yeah. the OHL. Uh, the so. plan that Canadians have him on now is pretty in-depth. It's pretty by all the rules. In all honesty, if you go back to what he did, he started changing things on his own with the help of the London Knights and the and the and the, I believe it's Hunter that's run the Dale yeah. Hunter or something. Yeah. The Hunter. Uh, and uh, Montreal has. Uh, Montreal has worked with the with the victim in this. They 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 are giving, you know, help to her and all this stuff and working with her. But uh, I wish they just would have avoided this altogether. But uh, they're doing everything they can to make a, a bad situation better and to make a, a a player who who made the wrong decision better. And as as disgusting and distasteful as what he did was. Uh, they're going, they will give him a second chance. Yeah. They've given second chances to fucking Tony D'Angelo is on his 12th chance. So yeah. you, 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 hockey culture has not changed as much as they say it has. Yeah. And Shovel Dayoff is getting a second chance. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is going to be a PR nightmare for whoever takes over this, uh, the, uh, the position of GM um, it's going to cause issues and he will likely get his contract signed next year and go to camp and it's going to be in the press and it's going to be front and center. And the whole thing is just going to, they're going to reopen all these wounds again. And then in a couple of years, when he's on the Montreal Canadiens roster, a lot of people are just going to stop talking about it, but should they? Especially when he, if, Take away everything that he did, and I'm not... He's a good hockey player, but he did a lot a great of stupid hockey shit. Player. He did a lot of stupid... But he also owned up to his stupid shit. He also... Eventually. Eventually. I mean, even in Sweden, he worked with the, he worked with the police when, he get, when they came to him. He didn't deny anything. He didn't... Mind you, he didn't really give a great apology to the victim right, at, right away or anything like that. And she was not happy with that. And she was not happy with that. 
apparently that's all changed apparently through Montreal and through the London Knights. I'm not going to give all the credit to Montreal because the London Knights have been doing a lot. I think the Canadians well. took over the plan that they put together. Yeah, right. And so, and he's working. Montreal fans are a fickle fan. Yes. Right now they're all like, oh, Montreal. Bergevin just did this because he was all involved with that other thing in Chicago. And this is the type of person he is, even though one has nothing to do with the other. Uh as soon as this guy comes into Montreal, if he turns out to be a PK Subban type player, no one's even going to talk about what he did back when he was a 17-year-old in Sweden. For me, it comes down to this. If the victim in this states that she feels satisfied with what has been done, then who the hell am I to say otherwise? Yeah, I totally agree. And when I wrote the article about Logan Mayu months back, first thing I said was Montreal has reached out to the victim and that's the main most important thing that they could have done in this whole type of situation. Yeah. But it, but right now it only takes one other person. I know that we've got off topic a little bit. We're still talking about Montreal prospects. We got off topic a little bit, but it only takes one, one person to get up in front of a camera and speak their opinion and then people to get behind it. And we've seen it happen. Everything that's happened right now with the Kyle, with Kyle beach, everything that's been happening with him it's been somebody the next person getting in front of the camera and trying to spin it into another issue that is an issue that needs to be talked about but they're trying to use him as a platform to do it so what happened to him terrible thing we don't want to ever see that happen again and i hope the people anyone that was involved with it is no longer a part of the game or is charged or whatever and ends up coming of it. However, when you're talking about the sexual assault that was made to this man, it's not the time to say, well, let's talk about women's hockey or let's talk about um, people of color being in management positions and everything like that. It's you, you know, I, I, I know what they're trying to do, but is it the right thing to do to use that sort of event to push your points for the points that you want to push. I think if they were to, instead of pointing to other issues as well, um, you know, like, Oh, that that's sad that it happened to him, but my issue is this blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. That, and that's, that's the issue that I don't, I, I agree. I don't right? do that. I'm just tired of see- what I'm tired of seeing is I'm tired of seeing apologies made, excuses made for yeah. racism, bigotry, sexually abhorrent behavior. I'm tired of the uh, the leaders in the game covering things up. Yeah. Just and then yeah. and then rewarding the offenders. I'm yeah. tired of this. What what we need to see, and which I think will touch on everyone's issues, is that it, are people with integrity who want to treat everyone with basic human respect. That, that's all you need. Yeah. So get rid of Batman. Yeah, I'm all for it. This all falls down on Batman's shoulders. Batman does not care about the hockey players, does not care about what happens to the hockey players. He cares about the bottom line. But Look Batman works for the owners, and Batman that's only right. wants money for the owners. So this comes down to it's league-wide. Yeah. I get that. And he only needs eight owners to back him up and he can, and he can do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, but you look at the CTC thing, you look at the concussion thing, you look at, anyway, there's a whole different discussion that we're getting into. We don't need to get into this game, but it all stops and dies with Gary Bevan. 
does it though? Because it's, it's ingrained. There's people in uh, positions of authority on every single team and within the league who are more than willing to overlook certain things as long as they're winning or you're absolutely right. Chicago proved that. Chicago proved that. However, if you get a good commissioner in the league that goes and says, you know what, I don't give a shit. You know what? This shit's not happening. And I'm going to hold you owners accountable for that. That's when it starts to change. It will only start to change because people like Rick Westhead are finding these stories and they are not letting them go. They're bringing light to them. And the more people see this, the more it'll force people to, uh, they're, they're going to be forcing punishments on people. And when others see that this guy's losing his job, that guy's losing his job, he's never going to work again, or he's getting criminal, he's going to get prison time. Then they start to think, well, okay, I got to start covering my own ass. So it's a selfish point of view, but that's, that's how the ball starts rolling. And once, once it's rolling, that's when culture change can come in. Once people are open to the fact that my actions have an, an, a negative effect on others, but also on me, we're, we're inherently selfish. We're going to start making changes. And that's when the culture change will come. That, that's, and that goes for any major organization. You just need a few people who want to treat others with respect being given those positions of authority. And we'll make, so that's how we make the world a better place. Rainbows and butterflies and lollipops and no Bill Cosby's anywhere. Do, 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 do. No? No. No. <laughs> you try, you try. <laughs> Let's end it there. Let's just end it there. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that's a good, a good ending point. Um, we are anti-Bill Cosby. And we will be fervently anti-Bill Cosby. It's a great way to end the show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we've gotten quite a few, um, quite a few emails and Facebook messages and direct messages. Keep those coming. We have listeners everywhere that are sending us, you know, great, uh, great reviews, great tips, um, sharing ideas. We want to see more of that. Uh, I think we'll see a mailbag come out soon because of this. And um, it's, it's you guys, the listeners that make this show fun. Uh, it's definitely not Treg or Matt or me, especially not Treg. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just make it look good. Uh, yeah. He's, he's our, he's our Jim selfie. So I want to thank all our listeners for interacting with us and listening and, and sharing uh, you make it fun. So, uh, and always remember if you were talking about it, so are we. Abs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code unfiltered20, save. on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code unfiltered20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code unfiltered20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. Also, Lift Life 
go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, HABS Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.